Speech FM Indianapolis. It's Indie Speaks. Your life matters. Hosted by Cameron Rill. Good morning, Indianapolis. It is 7 o'clock here in the Circle City. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle, and this is Indie Speaks. On the show today, we are talking about something that you need to be aware of, and it is coming to Indiana unless you say otherwise. We're talking about House Bill 1019, a bill that would prohibit the release of police video at the discretion of a police department. So the shooting of Laquan McDonald would never have been revealed under this law had it been effect in Illinois. We'll talk to Dave Crooks. He is the president of the Indiana Broadcasters Association. He calls into our live line in just moments. Plus, our friends to the north, our neighbors and family need your help. We're talking about Flint, Michigan, and several efforts throughout the Circle City to send water to them. We'll talk about how you can get involved and who needs your help to get it all done all this morning on Indy Speaks. We'll do that more coming up, but first, here are this morning's top stories. The Park Tudor community is dealing with a loss this morning after the sudden death of the school's headmaster, Matthew D. Miller. Police say his death is being investigated as a suicide. Miller, who was 46, was appointed to the head of Park Tudor in July of 2011. He previously worked for more than a decade at the Lawrenceville School in New Jersey. Miller is survived by his wife, Mia, and their two children, Sophia and Grayson. Sixteen people are without a home this morning after an apartment fire on the city's south side early Saturday. The fire happened at the Dakota Ridge Apartments located on Banta and Harding Streets. Officials say the fire started accidentally, possibly from a cigarette that was not properly put out. It is estimated that the fire has caused $500,000 in damage. The Red Cross is helping the victims with their immediate needs. Fortunately in all this, to live in this apartment complex, you are required to have renter's insurance. A 17-year-old has been arrested for the shooting of a 15-year-old classmate outside Lawrence Central High School Friday night. The 15-year-old student was shot outside of the high school's gym near the end of the boys' basketball game against Warren Central. The team was shot in the leg and transported to Riley Hospital. Police say the fight started during the last 20 seconds of the game. According to a press release from the Lawrence Police Department, detectives identified the 17-year-old Lawrence North student as a suspect. The suspect was brought to police by a parent. And according to police, the 17-year-old admitted to firing several shots outside of the gym. Both teens involved said they had been in an ongoing dispute for over a year. The 17-year-old has now been preliminarily charged with criminal recklessness with a firearm, possession of a handgun with no license on school property, and dangerous possession of a firearm. Lawrence Township Schools say Monday there will be an increased presence on school grounds and there will be more counselors to help students feel safe. And in the forecast, partly cloudy skies for your Sunday. A high of 35 degrees right now. It is 17 degrees in Indianapolis. Joining me on the phone this morning is Dave Crooks, a former state legislator here in Indiana, as well as an all-around radio guy owning several stations across the state. And he joins us this morning on our live line. Dave, good morning. Hey, good morning, Cameron. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely glad you could be here. You have shed some light this week on a topic that a lot of people had not heard about, uh, especially me, before you sent out a press release to all of the Indiana's media alerting us to a bill, House Bill 1019, that would stop the release of police footage, including dash cams and body cam video, at the discretion 
of the local police department. So say, in fact, this bill uh, was in effect in the state of Illinois last year. The journalist who worked hard to get the footage of the shooting of Laquan McDonald released to the public would never have happened. That's our opinion, and uh, that's the way we understand uh, the current language. And, of course, you know, let me point out, because I am a former state representative and I understand the process very well at the state house. Uh, whether it's the bill sponsor, Representative Mahan, out of Hartford City, or Representative Delaney, who's a co-author of this bill, and a couple of other legislators, they're, they're trying to come up with a standard for how police should handle video recordings. And I think that their intention is to create a standard that would be acceptable to all. But uh, we're scrutinizing this bill mainly because we think there are a lot of things missing. And when the Summer Study Committee met last fall and last summer, you know, the, the videos from Chicago had not been released as of yet. So uh, a lot of things have changed since the whole nation witnessed uh, the police officer in Chicago who jumped out of his vehicle and within seconds started firing, what, 16 bullets into the teenager who was, you know, walking down a city street, and yes, he had a knife in his hand, but I think it was clear to everyone uh, that that was handled terribly, and uh, there's no reason uh, for that uh, young man to have died with 16 bullets in a situation like that. And the public didn't really know exactly how that turned out until the video was released, but inside the Chicago Police Department, and perhaps even in the administration, you know, this video was witnessed, you know, 13, 14 months prior, and the community could have come clean right then. And if they wouldn't have hid the video, perhaps the community of Chicago might have been more forgiving to a certain point. I mean, uh, this police officer's been charged with murder, and rightfully so. Uh, but it just seems to me that as Indiana tries to come up with a standard that is acceptable to all, uh, there's a lot of things missing from this bill that goes against the spirit of our public records law. Indiana has a pretty good public records law. If you or I or some of your listeners uh, want to get a public document, uh, there's a law that you can follow that uh, allows people to uh, get those documents. And in video recordings, you know, we don't think uh, that a police chief or a sheriff uh, should have uh, uh, an opportunity to keep those videos in the dark from the public, especially if it's a high-profile case like the one in Chicago. There are a lot of, of good leaders out there throughout our state running our police departments and the, uh, in our cities here in Indiana, but there are uh, probably some not-so-great guys out there uh, who probably do have something to hide, and particularly here in the city of Indianapolis, um, our leaders have been great working with the media uh, to get us whatever it is that we need. And so while we're not suggesting that everyone has something to hide, it does raise eyebrows um, in a situation uh, that we've seen across the nation uh, for it to happen here in the state of Indiana. So um, let, let's say that there is a video out there. Oftentimes it has... Um, made an, a 100% clear picture of what really happened out there on the scene, uh, showing that both uh, citizens and police officers act differently when they are on camera. Um, true. Other times, it has shown police officers in a bad light. And um, just being straight up here, if you were the mayor of Chicago and you were running for election, uh, politically, those police videos are not something that you want released, plain and simple. Um, as a person and as a citizen, um, it is alarming because that could be 
the answer between uh, truth and misconception. That's true. And uh, again, we know it's the intent of our police officers each and every day to protect our citizens and to do what is right. But uh, occasionally, sometimes uh, one officer might have a bad day or make a bad decision. And uh, the lack of sharing that video with the media or the public, if it's a high-profile situation like the one in Chicago, um, you know, we, we just think there needs to be accountability. And uh, I can help uh, your listeners better understand why broadcasters uh, believe that even though it may not be the intent of this bill author or his co-authors to hide these videos, we can't just trust what their intent is. When it comes time to follow the law, we have to accept, accept what the wording is in the possible statute. And right now, we're nowhere close to making this uh, friendly for both the media or the public uh, if a video is, uh, it needs to be released for public review. And, and we get the idea that you know, um, you may not want to release a video immediately with an investigation pending. We don't want to taint anyone's investigation uh, by any means. But uh, the fact that the way the bill is worded right now, uh, that police department can make their own determination when or if they release it, and you just have to keep going back to a court uh, to try to get a judge to uh, rule on your side. Uh, if you don't mind, can I share what are some of the five ways that we think we could correct this bill so people understand better why we think there's a problem? Absolutely, uh, because uh, one of the things that I've seen over the past couple of days online is uh, people raising questions. Well, um, why would we want to release all body camera videos? You might see someone's house or you might see a murder victim. It is 2016, people. And in under five minutes, anyone with a computer, any editing software can edit out things that you don't honestly need to see. I don't want to see somebody shot dead on police video. There's just no need to see that. You can blur that out and still get the good picture of what is happening. But the way the bill is written right now, it doesn't even take that into consideration. That's a very good point, Cameron. And, and uh, our attorney, uh, Dan Byron, who's, a, who's been a broadcaster and he's been a um, uh, an attorney for several years understands the public record law very well and uh, some of the things that we think are missing first of all the current bill basically eliminates access to the video by the public and the media uh, because that access is determined on the whim of the police agency so we don't think something as important as public record laws should be a personality driven decision let's say in indianapolis you've got a new mayor's administration and a new police chief and they have they have good intentions to work with the media and the public and perhaps there'll be no problem but perhaps uh, the next police chief uh, may not be so cooperative with the media and the public. And this wording currently in this law would allow them to determine their own policy, and they may release it, they may not. Uh, we believe this is contrary uh, to what the stated policy of the state of Indiana is regarding public records, which if you uh, do a little research on your own and uh, see what our public record law says, uh, it clearly favors access by the public and places that burden uh, to establish good reason for non-disclosure uh, on the agency. They have to give a good reason why they don't think it should be released. You touched on this already, Cameron. Uh, almost all of the concerns by anyone, and we've heard this from several lawmakers, uh, an example, let's say there's a crime scene video and there's a child uh, that perhaps could be in that picture. Well, you know, today's uh, 
Uh, modern technology has uh, pixelation. You know, we can blur that child's identity, so that's not going to uh, show anyone the, the, the face of that child. You touched on the victim. You know, that can be blurred from the video. And if these departments can't come up with that technology on their own, although I think over time uh, the cost is down and the technology is easier to navigate, we will help our local uh, police agencies take care of that problem before it's released. So we've got no problem working in partnership to help our local law enforcement agencies uh, take care of those sort of situations where you're trying to protect a particular business. Or I know the, uh, this bill refers to airports and other businesses, for example, that may not want uh, their location or uh, uh, items that might be on the wall exposed to the public. We get that. So we're more than willing uh, to work with the bill author and his uh, co-authors. Uh, the other two things that are very troubling when it comes to this piece of legislation, under the bill, the way it's currently written, the only way the public can challenge what we would believe would be a wrong decision by the police, uh, the police agency or sheriff's department uh, to hold a, a video from the public is to file a lawsuit. And when you do that, you endure a lot of time and legal cost uh, with no chance of reimbursement, the way this bill is currently uh, written. And we think that's uh, that's not in the public's interest, because right now, if you would challenge a department and you go to court and you win that decision, well, you can actually recoup your uh, legal cost. Well, uh, there's no opportunity for that when it comes to video, the way the bill uh, is currently worded. So well, we think if a, if a John Q. Public uh, wins the argument that this video should have been released, and he spent, let's say, $5,000 in legal fees uh, trying to fight that public agency. We think uh, the bill, uh, which could become law, should make it very clear that that person or media organization, for instance, uh, would be able to recover legal fees and costs. And let me remind your listeners why that's so important and when we feel very strongly that that cannot be negotiated. Um, let's say that uh, a police officer, like the situation in Chicago, where once they watch the video, they know darn well that that police officer crossed the legal line and he murdered this individual. Well, if they know they're wrong to begin with, and if there's no financial hammer, if they lose that case in front of that judge, well, what's the motivation um, for giving up that video? I mean, if it's not going to cost the department any money out of their budget, they could just sit on this indefinitely. But if there's a financial hammer involved and that police chief or sheriff understands that, wow, if I don't release this video and if I keep trying to stonewall with the public or that media organization, you know, I may have to pay a, you know, a financial settlement. Well, if there's no hammer, there's no, there's no motivation, there's no accountability uh, to keep these agencies honest. So, uh, we think it should be very similar to what the Indiana public record law is now, and it's only fair for an individual or a media organization to uh, recover uh, those associated fees if they win the, the argument in court. We are talking this morning with Dave Crooks. He is the president of the Indiana Broadcasters Association, a former legislator here in the state of Indiana, and a general general manager of several radio stations across the state. And, Dave, I did reach out to uh, Representative Kevin Mahan from Hartford City, who authored this bill, and he was not able to come on the show this morning, but he did send... Uh, this statement to me yesterday saying uh, this bill gives guidance to police departments that would like to add body cameras while giving thoughtful consideration to privacy and investigations. Despite some misperceptions, 
Under this proposal, those involved in the videos and family will be able to see the footage as law enforcement agencies must let them view. This is a complex issue, and we will work, continue to work on this bill as we move forward so that we do what's right for law enforcement and the public. Well, we appreciate Representative Mahan's uh, um, attitude at this point because, uh, you know, at this point we think we can make this better for both the public and the media, and, and we could we could partner with them to move this bill forward because, you know, we like the idea uh, as a media organization uh, that uh, having police officers with dash cam, which is pretty standard in much, uh, much of our police agencies now, we think that's a good tool. We think the body cams are a good tool. But remember, this is all being paid with taxpayers dollars and for taxpayers to foot the bill for this technology you know doesn't mean we should give the right to a police agency uh, to hide the video if there's some kind of controversy you know I think most TV or radio stations you know they're not looking to cause problems they're not trying to come up with some you know daily um, you know, daily program on their airwaves or on their website showing the latest videos. I mean, this is going to be uh, a situation that is high profile, controversial, to where we're picking up information uh, from uh, the public saying that, hey, you know, what your local police agency is saying about this particular incident, we don't think it's the way they're articulating it. Or maybe there's a fact or two missing that's just not clear. But if the public or the media had access to the video, it would shine a, a spotlight on what really took place. And that's all we're asking for. We're wanting this video record to be treated like a typical public record. And, and while some of the proponents of the bill think, well, you know, video's different, it's too evasive, we've we got to treat this differently, we don't agree. I mean, how many times do you go on Facebook these days and, and people are putting pictures of themselves from their bathrooms? I mean, there's not much that's hidden these days mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the digital society that we live in. I, I agree, sometimes we all maybe see a little bit too much, but, but we're talking about doing what's in the public interest and uh, making sure that um, we, we keep our police agencies accountable. That's all we're trying to do, and uh, we, we just want to make sure that uh, we don't pass a bill too quickly that uh, will make it difficult to, to see these videos in a high-profile case. Dave, if you would, talk about the timeline uh, that makes everything rather prohibitive uh, to access these videos uh, once you get in talking about uh, court proceedings and suing to get video. And in addition to that, a lot of people would turn to uh, their local media organizations, one of the TV stations, radio stations, newspapers, and ask for our help in doing that. While uh, radio stations and TV stations have a little more money on hand than uh, your average Hoosier, um, it is still the possibility that it could become cost prohibitive to some of those outlets because as I've seen uh, recently in the state of New York, uh, cable channel New York One is being um, uh, they are suing, uh, they're in some litigation with uh, a police department in the state of New York where they requested X amount of hours of police video and the police department did give them that video, however they are charging them uh, a ridiculous amount of money for the time that it took to process and edit that video and send it to them. And if that were to happen on numerous cases um, here in the state of Indiana, that would be cost prohibitive to media outlets as well. 
Well, let's point out that our public records law right now, let's say if you go to your county clerk and you're trying to get a particular document, or a lot of times people will go to the auditor's office, you know, looking for some documents from years gone by. State statute allows that person to get a copy of it, and the price of the actual document can be as much as 105% of the actual cost. So when it comes to video, you know, I think we could accept language if that's a concern by the bill author and his co-authors. You know, if it does cost a little bit of money uh, to produce that video and there's some time involved, you know, we think an appropriate amount could be billed to the individual making the public records request or the uh, media outlet. But uh, let me remind your listeners, even though some radio and TV stations are quite profitable, in 2016 right now, if you look at the stock prices of most of our public uh, traded companies, uh, media is hurting right now mm-hmm. because uh, our advertising growth is not what it once was because of the uh, digital competition. And uh, if we don't find a, a fair way to get these public records uh, that at least is cost efficient, uh, again, it's going to make it nearly impossible to ever show these videos to the public because um, you can't have a news department like at your radio station or at mine uh, that would have to spend thousands of dollars throughout the year mm-hmm. uh, trying to uh, battle these police agencies just to get public records. Uh, so, so that's why we feel strongly we've got to have that language in the bill uh, that would allow for reimbursement if the judge rules in the public or the media's favor. That, that hammer, again, keeps the police officer and the police agency accountable if they know that it could cost them money if they keep stonewalling our request for the public record uh, on video. So I hope that makes sense to your listeners. But, uh, again, we, we, we don't expect uh, the Indianapolis uh, City Police or, your, or any other agencies uh, to have to bleed money just to supply video to our local media organizations. That's not what we're looking for at all. Uh, but we do believe if we get into a court battle and uh, the, the judge rules that that agency was wrong in holding back that information and we spent several thousand dollars getting to that decision, then we should be reimbursed. And if that happens, uh, you're gonna make, it's going to make sure that police agencies do the right thing to begin with. They're, they're not going to have an excuse to hold that video forever. And uh, by the way, in Chicago, I might mention, when this young teenager was murdered in the streets of Chicago by a police officer who uh, put 16 bullets in him, which was just so outrageous, you know, before the video ever came to light, the city knew that they had aired and paid that family over $5 million. And uh, it didn't get much attention until that video became public. And that was at the hands of a journalist who worked to get that video released, and both there and potentially here. Um, as I've put this out on the Internet over the past few days, uh, people are alarmed immediately that with this bill, it is clear that it makes transparency harder. Absolutely. And, and again, we understand Representative Mahan and Representative Delaney and some of the other co-authors. I believe them at their word when they say it's not their intent to allow these agencies to hide these videos. But again, when you're in a court of law, we can't go by intent. We have to go by what the statute says. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they've got this bill worded right now, it would allow an agency to pretty much hide this video forever if they choose to do that. And we don't think that's acceptable. We've got to find a way uh, to change this language to make it more acceptable to protect the public's interest and to protect the media's interest. How can uh, our listeners... Uh, 
um, get in contact with some people down at the state house to let them know that they are concerned about this um, because um, first is do, do you feel that there's a chance um, here very soon uh, that uh, representative Mahan or Delaney um, will change this bill from the outcry uh, and the response that they've got in just the past few days well let me give people a short education on how the General Assembly works and I can assure them that uh, for those listening right now, you really can make an impact and get their attention. You know, the bill author's name is Mahan, M-A-H-A-N. Uh, the co-authors are Price, um, Negley, and Delaney. Uh, but here's the way you would do this. First of all, the bill's going to be in consideration tomorrow, on Monday, for second readings. And uh, I've been working with some former colleagues, uh, giving them our language, pretty much the, the language I just shared with your listeners a few minutes ago about the five things that we're concerned about. Mm-hmm. So those amendments are being drafted, and we're hoping that the bill author and leadership and the Republican majority will accept those amendments. But uh, uh, we, we don't know if they will or not. Sometimes uh, with this new supermajority at the state house. Um, it's kind of tough slowing this stuff down these days because mm-hmm. they've got the votes to mm-hmm. just ram it through, and um, we don't want that to happen. We think there needs to be a little more thought put into this process. But uh, getting back to my point with your listeners, if they go to the uh, website of the state of Indiana, which is in.gov, you simply go to in.gov, look for the link for the General Assembly. When you get to that General Assembly link, find your state representative or state senator. And if you don't know what their names are, there's even a way to punch in your zip code, and it'll take you right to your representative's webpage. So let's say uh, Vanessa Summers or Greg Porter is your state representative, uh, for instance. Well, go to their website on that in.gov link and uh, respectfully ask them to vote no to HB 1019, which uh, could be considered, again, for seconds as early as Monday, could be eligible for a final vote on Tuesday. If we could just get some of your listeners to uh, get on the uh, website and do that, or if they call toll-free, and and I'm doing this because I remembered this number for the 12 years I served in the General Assembly, the uh, House of Representatives can be reached in Indiana at 1-800-382-9842. I'll repeat that number. It's 800-382-9842. You can call that number between 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m., Monday through Friday. But if they can get on the horn first thing tomorrow on Monday morning and leave a message with your state representative, or if you want to leave it for more than one state representative, ask them to vote no, leave your name and phone number, because sometimes these legislators, when they have time, they may have a question, and uh, they may call you back or have a staffer call you back. But um, when I served in that General Assembly, I can remember several times uh, so many of these bills never get a phone call or never get an email from constituents because they're not really aware of what's going on. But when a bill like this starts moving, and uh, if there's some improvements that's needed, just a few phone calls will get the attention of legislators. I've had legislators say, wow, this HB, you know, whatever number is getting a lot of calls. And I'll say, well, how many calls did you get today? Well, it got three calls. Well, <laughs> that just shows you that just a few calls will get their attention. And I can assure you, if uh, if we keep emailing and keep calling these legislators and bringing uh, this spotlight to their attention, I think their behavior may change, and they may be more apt to uh, uh, change the language of the bill to make it more acceptable. And a lot of my listeners are 
probably going to use the internet to uh, connect with them. Explain that, uh, how to get in touch with them uh, via email or online uh, again. Uh, just go to IN.gov, and once you're at IN.gov, look for the uh, General Assembly link. And once you get there, you'll have a choice of going to representatives or senators. Go to your representative list of uh, members throughout our state. Find your state rep, or if you've got a little more time, maybe you know email every state rep in and around the Marion County area, for example. And just a short message, uh, dear representative, whoever that representative might be, uh, you are concerned about the public's right to know, and you would request a, a, a no vote on HB 1019, and leave your name and your address, and uh, your uh, your comments will definitely be recorded there at the state house. And I can assure you uh, that uh, grassroots type effort uh, by people listening to your show right now uh, would make a big difference because you know they're listening right now to leaders of organizations like the Indiana Broadcasters, and we do have paid lobbyists, for example who are, are paid to track this information each and every day because the average person usually doesn't have the time. Uh, but, but when legislators hear from average people, uh, they tend to react better, and uh, they, they tend to uh, be concerned if a few people are starting to call and complain. But if everybody just sits on their hands and uh, they don't reach out to their legislator, um, you know, is this next Chicago incident going to be on the streets of Indianapolis? You know, I sure hope not. But uh, we don't want to. We don't want to hide these videos. We want to make sure that in a high-profile investigation, um, that once the initial investigation is over with, if the public or the media wants to show that video, uh, we could actually get our hands on it and make sure uh, that we're keeping those police agencies accountable. And again, you can do that via phone, email, get on Twitter if if your representative is hip enough and they're on Twitter. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be an official website message. They just need to hear from you. Um, and again, this we are talking about uh, the release uh, of body camera video, police uh, dash cam video. Uh, and right now there is a bill in our state legislature to uh, make the transparency of the public and the news media able to see those videos a little bit difficult. Uh, more difficult than it is now. And again, as you said, Dave Crooks, it is not uh, maybe while their intention to hide anything, we can't go on their intention because, um, as an example, a, a drunk driver's intention is not probably to kill anyone while they're out there driving, but we don't take them at their word um, for that in, in the uh, in the trial process. Uh, that's not acceptable. We have to take it for uh, reality. That's right. That's right. So appreciate the opportunity to chat about this today, and we hope the public will help us uh, go after this bill and, and do what's in the public interest. Dave Crooks, the president of the Indiana Broadcasters Association, a former state legislator, and a general manager of several Indiana's of Indiana's great radio stations across this great state. Thank you for uh, coming on this morning, and as well as thank you for sending out uh, your message from the Indiana Broadcasters Association to the media, alerting the rest of us uh, to what is going on down at the State House. Because, as far as I could see, uh, before you set that out, this was an overlooked story. Thanks so much, Cameron, and you enjoy your Sunday. You as well. Thank you so much. Nap time is your boy Ricky Smiley, and you're getting your news right from Cameron Riddle. And be sure to wake up tomorrow morning to the Ricky Smiley Morning Show from 6 to 10 on Hot 96.3.
Good morning, Indy. We are back. This is Indy Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle. And we are continuing the program today with helping other people, helping our neighbors, helping our friends, helping our family to the north up there in Flint, Michigan. I've got some family up there. And like them, a lot of people don't want to drink the water. They can't drink the water because of the lead that has been found to be in the city's water supply. Something that has been going on for a while, but up until very recently hasn't got the national spotlight that it has. After all of that has happened, organizations from all across the country, including right here in Indianapolis, have been reaching out trying to get water up to the people of Flint, Michigan, because they cannot drink the water. The things that we take for granted, going down to the kitchen, getting a glass of water or taking a shower, they can't do. And some of these people now have lifelong uh, effects after uh, consuming that water, there are children who now have brain damage from this water. Uh, and so they are facing a true water crisis right now, helping in that fight to get them more water uh, to make life just a little bit easier for them are some students uh, right here in Indianapolis. Voices that you've heard on this show last week, Raven Rogel, she is the president of the Black Student Union at IUPUI. They are gathering together this week to get water up to Flint, Michigan, and she joins us on the phone right now. Raven, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. You've been busy again this week with a different mm-hmm. cause. You're trying to get water up there to Flint. Tell me how this all came about and why you guys felt the need to do this. Um, well, first of all, we think it's absolutely criminal what is happening in Flint. The fact that it's 60% African American, and this has been going on, it states that there's something seriously wrong and Snyder should really be jailed. But um, we have some constituents at our campus, at IUPUI's campus, who came up to us and who were speaking about their concerns because they are from Michigan. And um, they told us we we feel some type of way and we would really appreciate if you guys could do something about it. And the conversation was always going around. We need to do something. What, where do we start? How do we do it? And uh, we sat down, brainstormed, especially after our constituents came up to us and decided to donate water, have a water drive. So what's the process going to be to get the water up there? I know you're having a drive uh, all this week um, to get that water up there Monday, January 25th through the 29th. And they'll be collecting it in Joseph T. Taylor Hall, Suite 100. Uh, so what do people, you want water? You want gallons of water, water bottles? What are you looking for? We're looking for cases, bottles, and jugs. That is our preferred method of donation. If you cannot um, make that available or if you're interested in anything else, then I advise you to talk to one of us. Um, Talk to one of us personally. Hit us up on Facebook or send emails to us or the link that I sent you um, to our flyer so that you can contact our advisors because we do not handle money. We think that that is such a serious matter that we're very careful with all that we're doing because this is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. But um, that is our preferred method, cases, bottles, and jugs. Now, once you've got all this collected, how do you plan to get it to Flint? There's a contact in Flint that we have that will be driving up to give it. So once it's all done they will be driving up to give them the um, the water. 
And again, for this is not this is just not for IUPUI students. If you are in the area, if you're nearby, uh, they can come and donate to you as well. Correct? Yes, absolutely. In fact, because we're such a small amount of the population in Indianapolis, we'd so appreciate it. People would come and donate just for the sheer fact of this is bigger than all of us, and this is all of our problems. Safe water is a right. It's not a privilege. And Raven, um, have have you had students? I know you said you had uh, constituents of yours that came to you looking for a way to um, to help Flint. Have you had students that are actually from Flint and have family back home who are dealing with this yes. directly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are actually the ones who came up to us personally. Um, young lady came up to me and she was speaking and she was telling me her story and she said, because I'm from Flint. And well, what, what is her family doing for water? What I, you know, it's, they can't just go to the bathroom and hop in the shower right now or go grab a glass of water. You know, you got to cook with water. How are they getting by? As far as I know, they're relying off of those bottles, you know, those cases that they've been getting up there. Uh, they're using those, and it's, it's actually really interesting to hear families using cases and bottles and jugs of water to heat up, to take baths, to take showers, um, to do these things, so... It's absolutely bananas when you it's, you really think of the privilege that you have. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Something we take for granted very easily to just go in and get some water. And right now, uh, our friends and our family uh, to the north cannot do that. And you are helping to uh, ease that problem for them. Uh, you know, you're just one group out of many. But the amount of water that you are going to collect is going to uh, help out a group of people tremendously so thank you for doing that appreciate it thank you thank you and again tell everyone where they can contact you and get that water to you through the week so you guys can contact us on our facebook iupui black student union hit us up on our instagram iupui underscore bsu those are the best contacts for us if not um please feel free to contact one of our facebook's um, Cameron has my Facebook and he can share it with you all if he thinks that it's best. Uh, and then of course what happens is you donate your waters to Joseph T. Taylor Hall on IEPUI's campus right off of Michigan. I tell you it is quite easy to find. Um, you donate it to Suite 100 and it will be happening from Monday all the way up until Friday and we will be trying our hardest to collect as much as possible to come together for a cause that expands long beyond Indianapolis. All right, Raven Rogel, the president of IUPUI's Black Student Union, thank you again for coming on the show, and thank you for thank what you. You, you are doing. Yes, we will link you up to everything that Raven's doing via my Facebook, Twitter, the stations, and IndieHipHop.com. We've got more coming up in just a moment. A local boutique is trying to get water to Flint. They've already got a ton, but they need help getting it there. Maybe you can help. We'll have details on that coming up. You're listening to Indie Speaks. I'm Cameron Rook. Nap time, this is your boy Ricky Smiley, and you're getting your news right from Cameron Riddle. And be sure to wake up tomorrow morning to the Ricky Smiley Morning Show from 6 to 10 on Hot 96.3.
join the conversation and let your voice be heard by dialing in and calling 239-9696. Now back to Indie Speaks, Your Life Matters with Cameron Richard. And we are back this morning. Good morning to you. I'm Cameron Riddle. Sunday morning at 7.52 here in the Circle City. And again, we are still trying to help our friends and family to the north up in Flint, Michigan. I saw this yesterday on Facebook. A local boutique, boutique uh, 28 boutique, in fact, um, was on Facebook with a ton. And when I'm talking about a ton, I'm talking about a ton of water that they've already collected and wants to send to Flint, Michigan. Problem is, don't really have a way for sure uh, to get all of this water there. She's got some volunteers to help take some of it, but it is literally so much. You see the pictures on Facebook and the video that it's not just a one-man chop. So if there is somebody out there who might be able to help them out, now's the time to reach out and say that they need your help. So joining me on the phone right now is Angel Hicks uh, from 28 Boutique. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on this morning. And like we've been talking, you've been hard at work already. Uh, Some groups are just starting to get water together, but you already have so much water that needs to get to Flint. I do. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Absolutely. Tell me how you all how how this all started, uh, because you told me that it wasn't supposed to be this big, huge thing that it is now. No, um, it wasn't. Um, I made a Facebook post about um, just God being good to me. I got blessed with a new car, and um, I just wanted to fold my seats down and just wanted somebody to ride with me to Flint. I was going to fill my truck up with water and just take it up um, just as doing my part. And people just started commenting and saying, you know, hey, Angel, I'm going to bring some water by your boutique and uh, will you take it for me and, you know, that sort of thing. So I put it out there. I was like, you know, if you want to take, you know, send something, then, you know, just stop by my boutique. Well, that I I put out a table because I was thinking, you know, I might get about a table's worth of um, stuff and the table was full in a couple hours and then the floor was full well like in front of the table was full and then people were just still coming and they were just still coming and by Friday uh, literally the front part of my boutique was full of water and then um, Saturday um the owner of Community Spirits and uh, one of his partners, um, they sent me a hundred cases of water, mm-hmm. which I'm so grateful for. And I had uh, about 12, 15 men, um, dads and sons that came and unloaded this truck for me and uh position the water in there where more water could get in there so if you are following me on instagram or you see it on facebook you see my dressing rooms both of them are full of water um it's to the point where now when you walk in 28 boutique from the door all on one side is just like uh gallons of water then it's bottled waters and it's bleach and it's uh babe stuff for babies 
and it's just it's just amazing I um I never thought it was going to be this big, but when God tells you to go, you just go with what he tells you. He doesn't say worry about anything. Just do what he says, and he'll make a way. So yeah, you I'm are, sure a way will be made. Well, I mean, you are helping a, a lot of people with the water that you have. Um, you are one of many now who are doing this. Um, but now we need someone to really help you help them because now you are overwhelmed with water. Um <laughs> Can people get in contact with you if they, you know, if they have a truck or they're going that way or they can just help out? Maybe it's a local business trucking company who would like to donate, you know, a run up there for you. Can How can they get in contact with you? Um, several ways. Uh, my phone number to 28 Boutique is 317-210-0828. You can call or text me. That's fine. Um, you can definitely inbox me on Facebook or DM me on Instagram. My Instagram is 28boutique. It's 2A and Boutique together. Um, my Facebook is 28boutique as well. Um, I'm not going to be at the boutique today. I want to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not, I, I just need to rest today. Mm-hmm. This has been an overwhelming. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I definitely want to just sit down and and go to church if all possible today. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the need is, if, if people really want to come and give, they're going to have to call me. But I really want to sit down. I just want to go to church, hear a good word from Pastor Jackson, and start back tomorrow. Yeah, you have. Uh, you've been working. You've worked very hard this past week, and it's been a. Your heart has been in the right place to help all of these people who could use it because I uh, I have family who are there and I'm told that they're afraid to drink the water. You can't mm-hmm. drink the water. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's such a necessity that we forget how much we use and need water until we can't use it. And you know, um, the, the biggest thing is for me, we need water so much and the connection for me is um, I'm a mother. I have two children and I would just be devastated if I couldn't, you know, cook a meal for my children and just anything for my kids. And then I have a five-year-old, so, um, you know, when she was an infant, the infants can't, you know, anything with this water and mm-hmm. the possibility of lead poisoning and uh, and there's no cure for that. And so that's what's really driving me. Yesterday I was at the boutique for 10 hours collecting water just thinking about that and just thinking about that mother who might have had a long day and she just wants to come home take a bath and chill out Mm -hmm. and she can't you know and the way that they're distributing the water in some of the um the uh, locations is just unreal it's just like one case of water one case of this one case of that per family Mm -hmm. which is so unfair so why are you doing these people like that? Mm-hmm. So it really makes me want to just, you know, it's just driving me like more because to just want to go door to door and just give you, here, here you go. You can have this. You don't need to go to uh, these mm-hmm. people, you know. Mm-hmm. But I come from that. Um, my mother comes from a very large family, and when we needed something, we needed it and one of my other family members from my grandmother down to you know my mom sisters and brothers 
someone was always there to help. And I'm just doing my part. These are not my biological family, but they are my family. And I would want somebody to reach out to me and my kids and my city if we needed it. And we want you to reach out to Angela if you can help her get this water to Flint. Please, please, please. Don't take her any more water. She has too much. Who does need the water are the students at IEPY with the Black Student Union. They could use your help. They will be collecting water every day this week in Joseph T. Taylor Hall, Suite 100. Call Angela if you can help get that water up there because, again, she has so much water that she is ready to give but cannot get it to Flint. So if you know somebody who's going that way, if you are a truck driver, if you own the company, if you're an employee, just go to the boss and just ask. Can we donate a run up to, to Flint? Write that off as a tax write-off, whatever. All you can do is ask and see if somebody can help somebody help Flint. Angela, thank you. Uh, Angel, excuse me. Thank you for calling in this morning. And again, thank you for all of what you've done this week. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You're welcome. Enjoy church service this morning. Thank you. Again. I sure will. Thank you. And that is going to do it for this edition of Indie Speaks. I'm Cameron Riddle. We are back same time, same station, right here on Hot 96.3 next Sunday, live at 7.